Welcome everyone to the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you for joining your hosts, Jack and Tierra, for episode number 167. And we've got a little bit of a different episode today because as, uh, as everyone is probably well aware, we are not intending to compete in 2023, which kind of makes the Road to 2023 series a little bit redundant at this stage. So until we begin our preps in 2024, our plans are to currently continue with these episode numbers and give you guys a bit of an update on our own journeys every so often. And of course, uh, continue with the regular Q&As as well. So this episode is going to be a bit more heavy on the personal life update just because it's been, I think, about a month since uh, we've updated you guys. So uh, I'll let Tierra kick that off. Yeah, so I think the last time that we gave a life to update was at the very beginning of October, just after the ICN National Show. Yeah, it's it was a while ago. Yeah, but boy, have the weeks gone quick. But since then, you know, quite a few things have happened. The season B of 2022 for here in Australia, it has come to a close. But boy, what a season that was. Just back-to-back shows every single weekend, essentially from the end of August all the way up until the end of October. So it was a huge season for our entire team and obviously just a massive congratulations to all of our girls and all of their respective victories, which we've really loved sharing over on our TB Instagram page over these past few months. But it's now nice, you know, we're recording this now on November 12th, 2022. And It's actually like the very first time in about three months ever since we moved into our new house where we have a day on the weekend, Jack, where, wow, we actually have a day just to ourselves. (laughs) So that we can podcast. (laughs) So that we can podcast. But hey, you know, podcasting isn't really work. But we moved into our new house like just over three months ago on August 10th. But Mm. ever since then, every single weekend, there's basically been an agenda or work in the sense of like we had the SNA seminar, flew down to Canberra for the ACT show. There were shows on every single weekend. We were traveling up to Townsville. Like it's been busy, you know, it's been busy, but it's been exciting. But now like actually having at least one day back on a Saturday where I can look at my calendar and I'm like, oh wow, there's there's nothing on there, right? Like I can just go to the gym, I can go lay in the sun and do some yoga, I can go to the fruit barn and buy some cheap strawberries. Like it's it's nice to actually have a day back mm. to, um, to just ourselves, which I think it's important, you know? You, like we absolutely love our work, but you need a day every so often, at least once every three mm. months where you can just clear your head and take a nice big deep breath. Yeah, I think working seven days a week has a a time and a place, especially in uh, the early stages of a new business um, or in busier times of the year. But it's definitely not sustainable long term to to work seven days a week. Mm, Absolutely. But heck, now that we have a nice Saturday back to ourselves, we have actually got some kayaks that my parents gifted us when we moved into this new house. So Now we finally have a day that when the tide is right, we can take the kayaks out, maybe throw a dog in there. (laughs) Should, Should be fun. But I guess one of the most exciting things or, you know, kind of something new on my end is that I've actually just recently entered into a dieting phase. And interestingly enough, this is the first time in my life I'm ever commencing a diet without actually feeling like I warrant 
a diet because I'll just say like I actually feel really really comfortable in my body composition and I just have great body positivity you know my clothes my active wear all feels really good I feel really strong in the gym appetites great but interestingly like I know that right now sitting at 69 kilograms that I would be just borderline on that territory of tipping over the edge into more uncomfortable territory. You know, mm. if I kept pushing my body weight up into the realm of like 70 kilograms where I've been before, that's when I would start to get those signs and symptoms of like, mm, I'm not feeling as comfortable in my own skin anymore. You know, I could probably do well with an energy deficit now. So I've been having these thoughts while actually approaching this body weight over the past month or so, because I hit 69 kilograms back at the beginning of October. And rather than just being like, okay, cool, let's just cut down straight away. I really wanted to solidify it, which I thought was important. So I just really entered into a maintenance mode for a few weeks there and just held my body weight at 69 kilos and ended up maintaining my body weight on about 2,500 calories on average. And then after the heat of all of the competitions were over, decided to book in with Joey and kind of just pose this to him and, and just get his opinion on, hey, like, do you think that entering into a dieting phase now is a good idea? And uh, he totally agreed. And it was really helpful for him to help me make that decision. Because I think we just learn these things, obviously, as we mature and grow and develop as both athletes and coaches in the sense that like, you know, perhaps if you are about to diet or if you're about to conclude a dieting phase, like want to catch yourself before you enter into that territory of where you are really, really uncomfortable. Unless, mm. of course, you're in a prep, right? Like <laughs> you're going to be feeling, you know, not so hot toward the end, but you probably still got a few kilograms to go. But when you're in your improvement season phase, I really think there's a lot of merit, especially if you've had experience in the past of like identifying certain body weights, certain body compositions where you're like, mm, I probably should have made that decision like a kilogram or two before or after. And I've learned this in the past before, like pushing up to 70 kilograms, for example, at the beginning of this year, I was in that position where I was uncomfortable. And then I dieted down to 64 kilograms. And again, I was not very comfortable at 64 kilograms either. So now I'm like, cool, I'm at 69. I feel good. Why not start the diet now? And then also want to not push down to 64 and just reach 65 and kind of catch myself before I start to feel quite crummy and just experience all those really negative symptoms. And I think you went through something similar this year too, when you decided to do your mini cut, like you didn't necessarily warrant a mini cut from a body composition standpoint, but it's almost a case of like, you kind of caught yourself early. Yeah. I think the reason for my mini cut was more so to give AJ and I some data in terms of how I looked after adding on quite a bit of new muscle and also how I uh, responded to a fairly aggressive dieting phase as well. And it was such a short duration, like I think it was three weeks that um, we didn't really lose too much momentum. But uh, what, what I found myself similar to you going down to 64 is that me getting down to like below 87, it just, it that probably did actually disrupt a little bit of momentum just cause like more so the training, I didn't feel bad, but like my momentum with training sort of slipped slightly. 
And like, I know I'm going to um, pr uh, prompt or pose the theory to AJ that like next time mini cut, we don't go below 90. We go probably from 96 or 95 down to 90. Mm, yeah, I think that's excellent. And it's, it's just good to know as we go through the years of obviously changing our body composition, obviously those scale weights are always going to change. Mm. Like, you know, a few years ago, you would have, you would have just capped your body weight at 90 kilograms. Mm. Now you're ending your mini cuts at 90 kilograms. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think it's important to identify like that the purpose of a mini cut is not to like, even a mini cut is different from a pre prep phase. Mm. Like you might be a little bit leaner at the end of your pre prep phase start of prep than you would be at the end of a mini cut mm -hmm. because all the mini cut is designed to do is to prompt or give you an opportunity to gain more body weight and I mean obviously resensitize appetite and that mm. sort of stuff as well. Absolutely and another good reason for this is also just keeping my body weight within that bandwidth so that when I do compete in 2024 I'm staying true to my word and I'm starting my prep in a really really good position so I do not have to lose upwards of 10 kilograms during the prep. Like I would love to just lose eight kilograms during my prep. And I think that's totally reasonable. And Joey's still predicting that I will step on stage in those high fifties. So probably around like 59 kilos or so. So that means me starting prep in the territory of like 66 to 67 kilograms. So it's just obviously important for me to stay kind of close to that number within a good bandwidth without drifting too far out to sea. Mm. So Essentially what we've decided to do is, uh, yeah, started at 69 and then I was maintaining at about 2,500 on that. Just kind of got aggressive and just went, went hell for leather. And, uh, I've dropped down to 1700 calories on my training days and then 1600 calories on my rest days. So each day, like macros wise, it's 140 grams of protein and 35 grams of fat. And then on my rest days, it's just 175 carb. And on training days, it's 200 carb. And I've been dieting now for a week. So I've got a little bit of a momentum under my belt and things are going well, you know, like started at 69 and it's pretty much been linear ever since then to this Saturday morning weighed in at 67.5. So things are off to a crack and start. And if I'm trying to aim for that 65 kilograms, only about two and a half kilograms to go. If it's the 12th of November, should definitely be wrapping this up in uh, early December, which would be excellent, right? Just get in, get out, get the job done. Highly motivated to do it right now. I feel like November is like annual mini cut month because mm. it's at the very end of season B where like people have been attending the shows, they see all these lean beans up on stage, highly, highly motivated. But also it's that month right before December hits where everyone's having Christmas parties and social festivities. And yeah, November is a good time where it's like, okay, if I'm going to do an aggressive diet without like too many spanners thrown in the works and things getting in the way, might as well just take advantage of the time now. So I've actually got a number of clients also dieting in November too. Mm. Do you as well? Yeah, I do. I've, I think more than one at least, <laughs> I think maybe four or five. Mm. And yeah, I always put, pose the question to them like, Hey, do you, are you sure you want to diet mm. pre Christmas or during Christmas? Cause it's an important consideration because one, if you diet over Christmas, of course your food focus is going to be higher. And we, sometimes we just need to be realistic about even implementing all those good healthy habits in relation to weight loss and having a positive body image. Like 
even myself, if dieting wasn't strictly necessary at that point in time, I'd rather not diet over Christmas, even if I was a slightly higher body fat, because I really don't care about that and um, be able to enjoy my food more flexibly and which is still of course possible while dieting, but I think we, most people can agree it's a little bit easier if you weren't dieting. Mm-hmm. I, I personally think at least here in Australia, I actually really like dieting over the summer months compared to the winter months, simply just because particularly if you're a female and your calories do have to get relatively low, like you can take advantage of things like smoothies, like just blending protein powder with some fruit and lots of ice. But like, that's great in the summer, right? Cause it's very low calorie, it's super refreshing. But in the winter, when you wanna take advantage of those more like diet meals, you just freeze to your bones. Mm. <laughs> so I personally even find it more comfortable dieting over the summer months compared to winter months. Yeah, I'm fairly indifferent. <laughs> hey, but I've gotta ask, so last time that you did your mini cut, how long did that honeymoon phase last for you? And for anyone who's not aware of what the honeymoon phase is, essentially it's kind of like when you feel like, oh, you know, diet, what diet, right? So like you enter into quite an aggressive diet, but you're not experiencing any of those negative signs or symptoms. Like you're like, I'm basically getting results seamlessly and I don't feel any different. That's kind of mm-hmm. like the honeymoon phase. How long did that last for you last mini cut? Um... I would say pretty much the whole time. Cause You're like, just on a three-week honeymoon? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess there's... like what it, I might say like 50% of the honeymoon phase mm. in terms of... Wasn't quite the same sort of honeymoon. Like, mm. I guess towards the end, the honeymoon got a bit stale. But it was <laughs> it was still within that honeymoon phase, I would say. Like, yeah, it wasn't... Didn't... Like, sure, I had a little bit of hunger and stuff, but it was still very easy. It was a good time as well because my physique was revealing itself and mm. stuff like that yeah like but do you remember any specific point where you kind of felt the pinch or where you did truly start to feel like whoo all right i'm i'm this is getting a bit spicy i'm kind of feeling the lower energy now mm. i don't know it's a distant memory at this point probably not because like otherwise i'd probably remember it quite distinctly so okay. Maybe it really was just a good time. All right. Well, you never wanted to go home then. Mm. You could have been mini cutting all the way till now. Would have been a mess. It only was three weeks. Like it was a very short period. And it was like right after coming back from Bali as well. Hey, maybe another word for uh, comp prep could be maxi cut Mm. (laughs) instead of mini cut. (laughs) Sure. You can try and coin that. Okay. (laughs) No, but I'm just asking that question because... I almost feel like, I'm not going to lie, I feel like my honeymoon was short-lived. It was Mm. probably like maybe two or three days where I'm like, yeah, what diet? You know, like I can totally do this, which I can totally do it. I'm still doing it. But I just mean like, it's interesting because obviously it's been quite an aggressive drop compared to where I was prior. And it's just interesting now just being aware of the lower energy kind of setting in. I'm just aware that like, my body doesn't quite want to move as much. For example, at night while my kangaroo stir fry is usually cooking, like I'll do a few paces just around our living room, almost subconsciously, just while I'm on my phone, putting in my macros for the day, putting in my data, things like that. But now like while my kangaroo stir fry is cooking, I'm almost like aware that I'm like, oh wow, like I'm actually still just standing in the kitchen on my phone doing this. Like 
even at the gym, like rather than like walking somewhere or pacing a little bit, like between sets, like it's almost like my body wants to stay more still and just conserve that energy, which again, I'm just so hyper aware of it. I'm like, man, this is really interesting. Metabolic adaptation already kicking in. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's interesting to be in those early phases, but Either way, like it is feeling a little bit spicy. I wouldn't say that I, I haven't felt hunger at all yet. It's simply just the case of just feeling a little bit more tired at the end of the day. That's all. But yeah, I'm just highly motivated to just get this done because ultimately like seeing the results fast and quick, Jack, that's awesome. Honestly, like seeing a 1.5 kilo drop in the past week, I'm like, this is so worth it. You know, like I just want to get this over with, get this done. And uh, yeah, this is actually the first time that I am doing like this aggressive of a cut right off the bat, which is a new experience for me. And I don't know, kind of using you as inspo with um, just how aggressive you got in your last cut. But again, you just, you knuckle down, you get the job done in an efficient time manner. And just seeing those fast paced results, you're like, cool, just keep bringing it on. Mm. Yeah, it's, I think if someone can do it aggressively, then I think that's worthwhile for a mini cut. And mm. obviously you're someone who can get it done successfully while being aggressive. Yeah, absolutely. Just set myself up on a meal plan and just go. Mm. Yeah, but other than that, I guess other life news since we recorded our last podcast is we've actually changed gyms now. Well, we're still training at World's Gym Brindale twice a week, but actually for three sessions of the week, we've actually now moved to a new gym called Riggs Gym, where we plan on building some pretty sick rigs. And this is this new gym in Boondle, and it's kind of like a bodybuilding hub gym. It's just, it's incredible to be honest, just the amount of equipment that they have there and just like really pristine, high quality, very unique equipment, especially lower body equipment. It's, it's tremendous. Like I'm getting amongst like a true squat now, which is basically like a sissy squat, but it's back supported. And they've also got this Roger power squat machine there too, where I can do squats. I can do Bulgarians on there. Just like, they've got like so many different leg presses, just really good quality equipment that you're just like, wow, this, this is super smooth, man. The Cybex Smith, that thing feels amazing. Yeah. They've definitely got a exorbitant amount of lower body stuff. And I would say lower body and pool are their specialties. Mm. I, uh, I have both my lower sessions there and a pool session there and it's superb. Yeah, it's tremendous. And so I guess anyone who kind of lives on the north side, like it's in Boondle, like definitely come check out Riggs Gym. I think like it's it's only just pretty much brand new. It's only just opened the, in these past few months. But uh, just to watch it kind of keep growing into like a place on the map as a bodybuilding hub, mm. um, I think that it just has a tremendous future. And uh, yeah, it's cool that you and I obviously just, we're just like, we love this place. Like sign us up for a year. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I'm really excited to continue training there because it's uh, less commercial than places like World Gym. Although mm -hmm. World Gym's great, like this is, uh, is a bit more special mm -hmm. and the posing room as well. And yeah, it's just a good, it's just a good vibe. Uh, even like just the music playing there. I've actually found that I'm not listening to music through my own phone nearly as much anymore. Most sessions, I just listen to the gym music cause it's actually good gym music. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Especially. Yeah. I mean, you can, 
if someone's there, you can put in on your own music as well, which is mm-hmm. nice. That's true. I think your top set playlist is actually saved as one of the favorites. So like that's been playing quite a bit. So mm. again, good gym music, but it is, it's TBD's music. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Yeah. Like for example, they have that Roger power squat and I've recently started doing Bulgarians on that machine. And over the past few years, I'm always programming Bulgarians because they just really help with my quad and glute development. Like I've gone from kettlebells to Smith machine to dumbbells to that hammer strength machine at Brendale. But I feel like I finally found the golden nugget with this Roger power squat. It's, it's so good because like I have really good grip strength. Grip strengths never necessarily let me down, but obviously holding kettlebells or holding dumbbells when those reps get really heavy toward the end, you kind of can use a little bit of your upper body strength to try to pull the weight up. And also there's just that stability factor too. And then the Smith machine, I just didn't like how locked in I was on the Smith machine for a Bulgarian. And then that hammer strength machine at Brendale, that was really good, but range of motion was slightly compromised. And like your grip is kind of out to the sides. And I just, Either way, like what I'm trying to say is on this new Roger power squat, it's so good because it's plate loaded, but you have the pads on your shoulders. So grip strength, it's, it's, there's nothing there. Like you're not holding any weight. And also you can just set up a bench right behind you and just get great range of motion. You can pause at the bottom, push right back up. And it's so much better than the Smith machine in that case. Cause like like you can actually go down at an angle. You're not strictly fixed straight up and down. You can kind of like move your body back. So it feels really good. And I'm pretty sure you're doing your Bulgarians on it now too. Yeah, I haven't fully decided I might go back to this Smith because I do want more of a quad focused Bulgarian. Mm. And I think because the power squat does move shift back slightly as you Mm. squat down, it is a little bit more glute bias. So Mm. Interestingly, I feel it way more in my quads Mm. than in my glutes, but obviously it's just the leg positioning. Yeah. Like if you put your foot underneath the Smith bar, Mm. that's very quad dominant, especially if you have a closer stance Mm. for the, on the Smith machine. Yeah. But either way, boy, like there's like, you have to push up with your lower body for those, like that final rep. Like at the beginning of this week, I actually uploaded a video of like my final rep. And like, it's a case of like, you're either pushing up or you're failing and, and you're basically mm. just getting collapsed under the machine. So basically like every, every squat. <laughs> no, because like when you're holding kettlebells or dumbbells, you know, like you can kind of like kind of heave up the weight a little bit. You know what I mean? But this it's, it's all on your legs. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole new feeling, but bring on, bring on the quads. <laughs> just, I just so psyched to just train lower body there. It just feels incredible. Yeah, I'm really enjoying the true squat that they have because mm. I, I was running the uh, pendulum at Brendale and I prefer the true squat at Riggs compared to the pendulum. So mm-hmm. yeah, the true squat, I mean, I, did, I hadn't heard of a true squat prior to using it, but it's pretty much like a loaded, a loaded sissy squat is mm. kind of how I would describe the, the force curve. It, it looks like it might be a little bit of glute, like a traditional squat, but it's, uh, it's very quad biased, at least for me. Mm. It's almost like a V squat, but you can actually get good depth. Mm. Yeah. Except most V squats have a slanted foot platform. Yeah. Yeah. This is a flat platform, but I mean like with the back support. 
Mm. I don't know why they don't have like I guess that what is that in the sense that it kind of is a true squad now but V squats man like they need to sort out their shiz like you need to be able to go deeper on a V squat yeah I mean they have a V squat at Riggs as well and it has full range of motion Mm. it just depends on the brand yeah but either way if you want to build some pins hit up Riggs gym (laughs) but ultimately that's kind of just a life update for me yeah just uh getting a little bit leaner, getting bigger quads. Like life is really good right now. And I uh, get to spend a little bit more time at the beach on the weekend with you and the dogs. But Jack, how have you been? Yeah, I've been good as well. Just continuing my thing and not too much has changed on my end. Um, well, that's a bit of a lie. Like I would say in the last month is probably the most program adjustments I've made since, uh, since this off season has started uh, back in pretty much May of 2021 and that's just because like the move to Brendale and then also the move to Riggs and just kind of since my physique has progressed quite a decent amount in the last year and a half or so what were once quite quite obvious weak points are no longer weak points necessarily so um, it's like AJ and I kind of reevaluated like where my physique is at and what needs to be worked on and basically what we what we determined was that my back really has come up quite a lot and I think my back is pretty much in line with my other body parts now like my lower body and um, my uh, uh, roughly not exactly of Mm. course Um, but I think a, a fairly obvious weak point for me now is actually my chest and that could kind of be seen in my in my pushing volume like I would have across the week I would have like an upper day and a push day and I would only have like one chest bias press on on each of those uh, so on like the upper day I would have like a hammer strength uh, plate loaded press and then on the other day I'd have like a pin loaded chest press mm. and my my shoulder strength was kind of like flying through the roof um, like I was almost up to the 50 kilo dumbbells for like high, inc- high incline dumbbell shoulder press and uh, like yeah my my delts so to speak are much more developed than my chest at least in my opinion at the moment so uh yeah basically what we've done is taken out the high incline pressing so i'm no longer doing a machine or dumbbell shoulder press and we've replaced those with uh chest pressing dominant movement so all all the pressing is at an angle so like it's still going to use my anterior delts but just just not as much and that combined with like I'm not really worried about the the anterior delts or the lateral delts because like still doing a decent amount of lateral raise variations and also doing dips and as I said the pressing that I'll be doing will be still growing my delts um, but hopefully just biasing the chest more so which is what I need at this point in time. And I think it's really interesting because now you are finally at a point where one congratulations on bringing your back up and just having a more balanced physique in that sense like it Mm. it has developed a hell of a lot but also you've been purely resistance training now for going on 10 years because you started back in 2012 right yep yeah so and now it is 2022 for those who didn't actually know Mm. (laughs) but that's 10 years that's a whole decade and it's really just once you reach like your ninth and your tenth year 
that you're more so starting to actually specialize with your training, I guess you could say, right? Like that goes to show that you put in the groundwork prior to really trying to allocate a pretty even distribution of volume to your whole body and watching it develop and then seeing, okay, which areas of my body respond a little bit quicker than others and which areas are more prone to development. But that's taken you close to a decade. And I think that's just a really good message to other people because I think some people get a little bit too caught up in the sense of like, they're an absolute newbie to the gym, but they want to specialize in, oh, I want to grow a big chest or I want to grow a big back. And it's like, you know, you've, you've never consistently even lifted weights before. Like mm. you should probably just be on a pretty even volume distribution program, not even for like a few months, but maybe even a few years, see how your physique develops and then start considering specializing. Yeah. I think assuming they want to grow everything evenly, because mm. like, what if, what if some, what if a guy comes to me per se and is not a bodybuilder but just wants to says, hey, I want some a bigger chest. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, oh, you, sorry, you have to bring up your legs equal, in equal amounts with your chest. Sorry, mate, you need some calves. <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay, we're, this is a bodybuilding podcast, so and most people have physique related goals to be pretty balanced, you know, and we've, we've, we've all seen people with massive upper bodies and it's quite clear that they skip leg day twice Mm. a week Yeah, (laughs) or or seven times a week. (laughs) Yeah. And I would say even it's even a very low degree of specialization, to be honest, all Mm. I'm doing is taking out the more high incline pressing, Mm. like everything else is pretty much remaining the same. Mm. I'm trying to allocate a touch more volume to the pressing if I can. Um, like most most uh, things are staying at two sets uh, for the the heavier or the more compound esque movements. Mm. Something like the lateral raises will be three sets, uh, but I I don't think I can do three straight sets. Like even this week I did my push day on Friday and I was pretty cooked after that. I did notice a tiny bit of strength drop off towards the end of the session because usually I'd start with a shoulder press as opposed to a chest press. So quite naturally, I was a little bit more fatigued in my chest moving forward from that. And I could tell that the chest is a weaker point because I was actually the same strength. Mm. Like in a high incline press compared to a low incline chest press, like usually someone would be stronger in the chest press, but I was was literally one rep up um, from the shoulder press with the same load. So that's a big sign to me. And I could feel it in the press. Like when I got into that stretch position where the dumbbells were touching my chest, that was a really, that was the limiting factor of the movement basically. Mm. Like from from a quarter of the press upwards when it was tiny bit more uh, dealt, like that was easier for me. Mm. So yeah, I'm looking forward to basically growing a bigger chest because it's it's always been, Mm. it's always been slightly in front of my back until now. So now I can kind of focus on it more. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just going to be a case of obviously allocating more direct volume to it, but also just maybe just a matter of just execution, mind muscle connection, because you do have such dominant shoulders and arms. I think every time you chuck up a front double by people are like, dude, your arms are huge. Mm. And you're like, I want people to be questioning, is that a chest or a vest? (laughs) Yeah. Although I, maybe it's just me, but like, in the front double by, it's quite hard because your 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 chest is stretched in the front double by, mm. so it's almost hard to show to its full extent. Yeah, but that's why you just need these thick, dense pecs. Mm. Yeah. 
yeah i mean even even in my side chest like i i don't think people will really i don't think people will look at my shots and be like oh he has a weak chest because it's it's not it's not absurdly weak um but when you actually look at single it out in like the side chest and the most muscular you can co- sort of see like the the delts and arms mm. taking over in those shots which i can get away with because of the delts and arms but ideally i'd like all three mm. to be decent and this is also why it's really important and it almost sounds like a no-brainer when you say it out loud but your training program it does need to be customized to you and your physique particularly Mm. if you are a bodybuilder and you have specific physique related goals so after you undergo those years of like okay cool seeing just how i can develop in general and then seeing which body parts respond perhaps a little bit easier than others then you can actually take a good hard look at yourself with your coach and be like, great, all right, so you've got massive arms, but you don't have a huge chest. You've got great hamstrings, but you don't have much quad. Like those should be a few signs to be like, okay, well with your training program, obviously we need to allocate a bit more volume toward your chest and your quads. And we can probably put your hamstrings and your arms back on maintenance mode. Like that's just an example. But I think that a lot of people don't do that. They just end up just following generic programs for a really, really long time. And they're like, yeah, you know, I, I train my lats all the time and I've got great width, but it's like, okay, cool. You've, you've got great width in your lats, but like, what about your delts? You know, like, mm. <laughs> why don't you allocate a bit more training volume toward your delts? Yeah, it's, uh, it's where coaches come in handy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just look look at your body, look at your training program and be like, cool, can a few things be adjusted here after you've kind of earned that over time, not Mm. straight from the get-go. Because again, like when you first walk into a gym, for the most part, you probably are just underdeveloped everywhere unless you've been playing sport in the past sort of thing and you might have done some training here or there. Yeah, I agree, unless you're a genetic freak. (laughs) That's true. Some people just do get jacked from swimming, Mm. even though swimming is non-weight-bearing. Yeah, or out... (laughs) outdoor gym equipment (laughs) yeah um but hey so that's obviously with training but where's your body composition at these days as in like my body fat (laughs) yeah literally where (laughs) is your body fat you still look pretty lean to me (laughs) 10 (laughs) percent yeah i was thinking eight percent maybe yeah we'll have to get you on under that dexa machine (laughs) Mm. yeah i mean to be serious like my i mean my body weight at the moment is about 91 and a half and yeah creeping towards the 95 kilo mark that's probably going to be the rough end point of this surplus period and like if i continue on this trajectory about a kilo a month that'll have me at 95 at around february of next year and then from there like we'll reassess okay should i push onwards and continue gaining body weight um, if my body comp is still okay because at that point it'll still be over a year until i would begin prep so if we can prolong the surplus whilst not getting too chub, then I think that would be good. Otherwise, I'll just do another mini cut and probably get down to 90 kilos in, in around three weeks like I did last time and then uh, commence the surplus again. And by that time, like AJ and I will have definitely come up with a new uh, trajectory plan in terms of what we want to do um, in terms of uh, ensuring that I start the pre-prep phase at like my peak body weight and then get down to commence prep at probably, I would like to be about 10 kilos above stage weight. And I mean, I'm thinking way in advance here, but I'd like to be about 10 kilos 
above stage weight when I start prep. So that would be roughly 88 kilos or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, excellent plan as we've discussed in the past, but I'm just psyched to see you at 95. Mm. 95 with with uh with a shaved face for those who don't know jack is actually no longer rocking the beard (laughs) i have to ask after you got that beard shade off the next day did your weight change at all no it didn't (laughs) it was pretty thick like i wonder if like if he would have collected all of the hair and weighed it maybe close to 100 grams yeah but whenever i go to the barber i'll get that much hair off my head usually anyway so that's true that's true that's what mm. i've always thought with myself like i've got pretty long hair like if if i straighten it like it does go way past my butt so like next time i compete like i have to make sure that it doesn't throw off my back shot but sometimes i think about all the hair on my head i'm like hey <laughs> how much is this actually contributing to my body weight <laughs> mm. just the important thoughts yeah yeah but either way it's a consistent variable right yes <laughs> Uh, but that's cool. So wait, uh, nutrition wise, like you've been on the same macros for quite a while now, just riding those mm. out. Yeah. It must be like three or four months on the same macros now, which I'm fine with like it's about 650 carb and 70 fats and 275 protein. So what, I think that's like 4,200 calories or something. Yeah. Appetite is, is in a relatively good position. Uh, around this time, last gaining phase, like this was my peak body weight and like appetite was in the bin like it was horrible and uh fortunately that's not the case this time around i think i've been very very religious and routinely in terms of my food like even more routinely than than usual not necessarily in terms of my meticulousness but more so in terms of my food choices they're just very very similar and i think that's helped in terms of consistency but I've, I've got into a point now where it's, it's, it's an unintentional meal plan. Like my quantities will be the exact same day to day. And sometimes I won't even, a lot of the time, actually, to be honest, I won't log it in my fitness pal. I'll just eat it. Um, because like I could say my breakfast now, all the quantities could literally run through the whole day off the top of my head because it's, uh, I've been doing it for like four months and that also like, sure, my, Nutritional diversity would be better technically if I varied things more often, but my food focus is low enough where I'm not particularly motivated mm. to, to do that. And I've also got good diversity within the day anyway, in terms of fruit, veg and uh, dairy, whole grains, different protein sources. Yeah. I honestly think it's a good sign that food focus isn't high. If you can kind of set yourself up on a very nutritious diverse kind of meal plan and kind Mm. of just ride that out like every once in a while i'll hear hear jack chirp before he's about to go grocery (laughs) shopping like maybe i'll have nachos this afternoon and i'm like you should do that (laughs) comes home there's not a single ingredient that jack would cook nachos with (laughs) like why didn't you have nachos and he's like eh, didn't feel like it like if anything i think that's that's in a sense a good thing i Mm. i'm the i'm the exact same like eating's just kind of something that I do, right? And you just set yourself up with foods that meals that you enjoy and then you just eat at those specific times, you get on with your day. Like it's it's very refreshing to not always be just mm. thinking about food all the time. Like goddamn, we studied the stuff for four and a half years. Our our jobs basically revolve around talking about food all day. We mm. still eat food multiple times per day. Like I am a total foodie at heart. But like equally, I don't really care. Like (laughs) I will eat a can of plain tuna with a few rice cakes on a plane. Like 
I honestly just don't even care. <laughs> Are you then a foodie though? <laughs> yeah, because I love food. I think it's fascinating. I love learning about it. I love talking about it. It does, it does taste good. But at the same time, I'm just like, I'm just not fussed, man. Mm. Yeah, like it really doesn't bother me anymore. Especially coming from a disordered eating background. Like to be able to say that and to truly be able to think that way. It's mm. very, very freeing. Yeah, it's an, you. as coaches, we, we always get asked the question, like, how do you personally manage your lifestyle around food? Because quite naturally, people will be at different aspects of their journey and they'll ask us, hey, like, how do you, how, do, how are you able to do a deficit and like not be tempted or how are you able to may, be so consistent in the off season? And like, everyone's different. Like, I think we're at just a, we've just lived a certain way for such a long time now and we know so much about nutrition and we've normalized food to, to such an extent where, as you said, like we're not too fussed. It's mm-hmm. neither here nor there. It's, it's really only when our physiology starts to make food more interesting mm-hmm. uh, from a diet related perspective or, or hunger hormone like leptin and ghrelin that I will personally, like even you, you're, like you're still relatively the same like you just kind of want more of the same food Mm. but i will start to like want different foods and and stuff like that which i don't have an issue with i know it's really my my physiology but uh obviously i i like those hyper palatable foods and you get to that stage in prep like six weeks out and and lower where you start to envision those foods and i sometimes have to hold myself back from like clicking on a certain youtube video because i know we we in more of our bodybuilding focused episodes like we we preach saying like oh don't try not to expose yourself to to videos or or instagram pages and uh sometimes i even have to um hold myself back from doing that well then i guess i'm at an advantage there because i'm one of the most mindful eaters you'll ever meet Mm. (laughs) when i sit down to a meal and i'm out on the deck i'm just like it's just me. It's just my food. I'm just listening to the birds chirp. And I just I just eat a meal and I'm so just with the meal. Uh, it's been many, many years since I've actually been on my phone or been on the computer at the same time while eating a meal. Mm. Like, And that's, that's majorly helped me. Just obviously remember that experience. It really helps with my satiation. And also like food, it really helps with my creativity. Like some of my best ideas and thoughts come to me while I'm actually like, eating a bowl of oats so i don't want to miss out on that <laughs> so maybe i i just find i'm not really exposed to it and also i don't i personally just don't go searching for it it is really a case and i'm even experiencing that right now and it's kind of just being become a new thought to me in the sense of like have i ever actually been truly physiologically hungry when i'm dieting because like you know you you have even protein distribution like you're eating i don't think yeah you're, you're not a very um you're an outlier though. Like you, you don't spend much time on Instagram and you don't watch YouTube videos. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> well then guys, maybe being an outlier, it might be a little bit helpful, eh? <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Yeah, but it's just differentiating between, okay, am I actually physiologically hungry right now? Or is it just the case of, I just feel low in energy and I mm. know food has calories and I know food has energy. But they're, they're one and the same thing, I think, when you're dieting. Mm, I'm, I'm starting to think a little bit differently. Like I think, people and in, in confuse the two and i think i've confused the two in the past thinking like oh man i'm feeling pretty fatigued like could well, go I, with I, a I nice would, bowl mm. of oats yeah I, I definitely don't disagree with you but i i almost think that 
the physiological desire from your body to eat is is much worse than hunger and mm. it's a stronger urge than hunger in in my experience because yeah i think there is a distinction between the two when you do get to that suboptimal level of, of body fat mm. but yeah they're they're almost interchangeable in my eyes mm. i'll find out next time we prep mm. right <laughs> obviously you're you're hungry but it's it's usually a case of like okay i'm I know I'm, I'm satiated right now, but I could certainly eat because I still feel very mm. low in energy. Because that, that sort of post-show desire to eat even when you are full, mm. like that doesn't stem from appetite necessarily or mm. hunger. It stems from your body being a low mm. body fat. And also psychologically too. Mm. But hey, guys, I uh, think we should probably wrap up that podcast here. Um, a bit of a life update just there. But Jack, one thing we want to finish on is what's something that you learned this week? I'll let you go first. <laughs> All right. Well, you think, think about what you learned. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Well, something that I actually learned this week is how we get internet between countries and between continents. And I always thought that internet was a signal. I always thought that it was signals in the air boinging between each other. It turns out that 98% of the internet is actually through cables that run along the ocean floor, which just like blows my mind. Cause I had no idea that there were literally like hundreds of thousands, or I believe there's like over a million kilometers worth of cables running along the ocean floor that actually carry the internet. 98%. It's not up in the air, man. It's down It's down on the ocean floor, which I just think is absolutely nuts. Uh, so yeah, now I know that when people listen to podcasts, um, it's, it's running along, you know, the Pacific Ocean. It's not running through the air. Yeah, I learned that the other day too. Yeah. Did, but did you know that prior? No, I had no idea. Yeah. I always thought it was crazy. satellites or something. Yeah, I thought it was satellites. Which I guess would be signals. the other few percent. Yeah. But it's not it's like literally like and these these cables they're very very thick because like they have to have the big cable casing but insulation then, yeah yeah but then within them obviously they have all these tiny little wires that are apparently like literally as thin as like a human hair but they just run along the bottom of the ocean floor and they're kilometers deep as well hundreds of thousands of kilometers long but also kilometers deep what the flips. Mm. God, that's yeah, impressive. The things that you don't learn when you're always just consumed by bodybuilding. <laughs> no longer though. But uh, Jack, what did you learn this past week? Yeah, so I learned that I've had a Mac since 2015, MacBook Air, and then at more recently a MacBook Pro. And like I was obviously on Windows before that, and I learned this week that on Mac, like it comes in the utilities folder under applications. I think as long as you have an Intel processor, I mean, most people know this, probably not you though. <laughs> I'm so lost. Yeah. Uh, there's a little software thing called Bootcamp and you run Bootcamp and it can switch switch you to Windows or it has a dual sort of, it splits your hard drive up so you can have some some of your hard drive as Mac, some as Windows. And then you could, when you restart your computer, you can choose between your, your Mac operating system or Windows and I'm trying to do it now, but I think you still need to purchase Windows. We'll find out. I'll find out in about 10 minutes. Yeah, because you told me the other day, you're like, you know, you can get Windows for free on your Mac. And I'm like, well, I thought you could get Windows 10 for free because I downloaded it, but it now says I need a product key. So uh, I'm about to do some 
research. They'll do that to you, right? They'll make mm. you download the application then be like, for nine ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, more like ninety nine ninety nine. They'll catch you. And then you'll be like, oh, I already downloaded the application and you know, it's not that much money, la di da di da. But yeah, when you said it was for free and I was like, why didn't you tell me that when I first bought my Mac? Because I've been always like a PC Windows person in the past and then I had to learn all the, the Mac stuff. But now that you know Mac, which do you prefer? Oh, it's really not that complicated. Mm. <laughs> but to be honest, like I, I, I use so few applications. Like I use mm. Audacity to record our podcasts, but like and I you literally... use the interwebs, that's it. Yeah, but I, yeah, literally just like Google Chrome. I've got WhatsApp on my computer and just my text messages as well through iMessage, which is so convenient, by the way. Like when you need to respond to a big ass text message... On a Mac, it's so good compared to like typing it away on your phone because I'm still not yet a voice note person. I do like to text or I do like to type now. So I'm just like, let's go. And <laughs> it's so much more efficient to actually type back big replies, especially when you're working with online clients and things like that compared to uh, twiddling your thumbs on your phone and texting away. Mm. Yeah, it's good. So a hack there. <laughs> Same with WhatsApp, like replying to all, all of your WhatsApp stuff on your computer compared to on the phone. And again, it's free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely more a voice note person. Dude, change absolutely changed my life. Because I didn't used to have that. Before I got this Mac, Like I had only my texts and iMessages and WhatsApp on my phone. Um, and I used to just, yeah, my, my thumbs almost hurt. You know, but now just I did. Jack, do you, do you know how to properly type? Not properly, no. <laughs> I I think I just cut some corners back when we were like in elementary school because you know how we used to have to have that like that typewriting software thing. <laughs> but like I think like I just I got lazy and now I I actually think I only type with my two index fingers and my pinky. But like, mm. well, I'm not that sort of. <laughs> I'm not on that level. Do you quite. use four fingers, not three? I don't know. I haven't counted, but <laughs> I can. I'm at that level where I can type without seeing the computer, without looking at my fingers. <laughs> we've all we've all seen that person. You know, like when you go to like Cotton On or something and you're at the checkout and they're like, oh, so do you have a Cotton On subscription or something? And you're like, no. And they're like, oh, let me look up your email. And they're like, what's your email? And then like, they're dead staring you in the eyes, keeping eye contact and they're typing away. They're like, I'm so cool right now because I can type without looking at the keyboard. And I'm just like, what the flips? <laughs> it's weird. It's that weird kind of eye contact. You you know if you know. But anyway, we made it through uni writing like 10,000 word assignments and I got through with two index fingers and a pinky. So hell, take that. Congrats. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. If you did enjoy it, please remember to take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag Jack, tag myself, tag TBD, and we'll catch you next week.